everybody. My name is Maya, and I am a Canadian Lumber Ambassador, and you are listening to the first episode of the Canadian Lumber Podcast. Our first guest today is Bo, who is the founder of Canadian Lumber. Hello. How's it going? Not bad. How are you doing? Good. I'm, I'm honored to be able to take on this task for you guys. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been doing uh, during quarantine and stuff? Uh, I've been all right. It's been, uh, I mean, I, I, a bit of adjustments, switching to more home hours than, than not, obviously. But uh, For sure. I think the biggest adjustment, in all honesty, was just trying to figure out what we were allowed to do and weren't allowed to do with regards to the warehouse and shipping and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? Understanding what's allowed, what's safe. And then at the same time, understanding what's safe. <laughs> right. Because what's right. allowed and what's safe are two different things. So Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. One really big question I was going to ask right off the top. Um, sure. Like, other than that, what kind of problems and difficulties have you, like, have you came across in starting the company, especially, like, before legalization? Um, I'd say that there's been a lot of, smaller or medium-sized hurdles there's nothing there there's there's never been anything that's been a monumental mountain where i've pondered and been stuck for a while and tried to it took a lot of i don't know normally what i'm trying to get at is basically for the most part every problem that came up i was able to solve one way or another Mm-hmm. So, for example, it was at the beginning just trying to figure out how to manufacture a paper that's safer and healthier than the majority of what's on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized, you know, banking's an issue in Canada. We started the company before legalization. Mm-hmm. Um, banks weren't allowing for anyone related to cannabis in any which way or form to bank with them. Mm -hmm. um so having to figure that out uh to then you know like moving forward past legalization it was a matter of like okay now how do we start selling in the states and crossing the border Mm -hmm. we're still trying to figure that one out (laughs) (laughs) we think we have an answer and then you shit oh it's kind of cutting out i don't know if you can hear me i can hear you yeah okay sorry you just kind of cut out there sorry Um, it was, you just, you said you were just getting ready to ship and then that's all I heard. Oh yeah. So sometimes, you know, it's like you're shipping to the States and all of a sudden you find out that, you know, one shipment gets crossed, another shipment loses a portion of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of it gets confiscated, some of it makes cross and you never know really which is what, mm-hmm. especially right now. And I think mostly that's just because uh, cannabis is illegal federally, but legal in some state levels mm-hmm. and in global trade there's no code uh, trade codes for cannabis rolling papers but there is for tobacco rolling papers but right. we're different you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that brings a whole lot of other issues along that we are constantly having to at least i'm constantly having to sit back and be like okay do i have to talk to legal advice about this or do i have to is there a broker information that'll help me with to figure this out you know mm-hmm. like it, and it's probably all new territory for them at the same time Definitely. Definitely it is. Because a lot of people, I mean, with our UPS brokerage, they've never dealt in this industry. So it's like, we don't know why you got confiscated this time. We filled out all their paperwork. We don't understand. <laughs> like, mm. 
They gave us a list of paperwork last time. We filled it out. This time they're saying it's not what they need. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. It's the federal level of government, so it can change. Yeah. Wow. Right? And that's what happens when you're shipping from one country to the n- another, let alone from Canada to the U.S. in our present social and economic climate. Mm-hmm. For sure. So how did you get Canadian Lumber started in the first place? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> short, <laughs> short answer to that is, uh, I was in all honesty, basically going through a midlife crisis without even knowing it. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, uh, cause originally I had a small marketing firm okay. and we did a lot of brand development work and product development work. Um, I mean, we did do some advertising and marketing stuff, but for a lot of the work that we did, it was, um, uh, brand development or brand management and then product development. Mm-hmm. So when I shut that down, um, as beginning of my midlife crisis, this is hindsight, of course. Um, <laughs> I, in all honesty, I was sitting down in my studio and I noticed that all the rolling papers I had were American companies. Right. Um, this was late at night middle of the week I packed up and ran down the street to a buddy's studio and I knew he'd be working and I came in sat down just shouted to him say that I wanted to roll a joint and really I was there to look at all of his papers (laughs) um and I realized all of his were American he had a couple from Germany a couple from France Mm -hmm. and for the most part though it was a lot of American papers and that's when it dawned on me I was like I why isn't there a Canadian company that's why don't I start a Canadian company? For sure. So I just did some research to figure that out. That is so cool. That's kind of like... Hello? Hello? Hello. Oh my God, there you are now. You can hear me? Yep, now I can. It just awesome. That one hello, really weird. It just popped in real loud. Okay. <laughs> sorry about that. I'll no, just... no, don't be sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, I, I don't know what was going on. Oh, no worries. It, you know what? This is also trial and error. I've never done this over, um, over Zoom before. So let's <laughs> <laughs> do what we can. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, um, so did you hear me when I was talking? I could hear you, yeah. But, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. So did I answer that question in full? I don't remember where I left off. I think I did. I think so too. Okay. Um, if not, I'll just have to cut it and then we'll just move on to the next one. Sounds good. Um, so I guess this is a two-parter. Um, what was the first type of paper to be released and w- how did you decide on the three kinds? Okay, so this is, um, for me, the three types really started because at the beginning of this, I started researching, really in all honesty, I started researching how rolling papers were made from for major companies okay. um, in the market space. So I looked at the best of my ability to figure out what their recipe was and what was in their papers. So one of those steps was getting their papers tested. Um, and in all honesty, it, it scared a living crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that there was high levels of like ridiculous high levels of chalk to the point where I wondered how there was any plant material whatsoever in there to be paper. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that surprised me was the fact that there's some brands with asbestos in them. 
There's oh some God. brands with um, asbestos, chlorine, um, uh, and other chemicals as residue in them. And I found out that that's because they put it through what's referred to as a hot asbestos bath. In order wow. to do that, they use chlorine to basically extract as much liquid out of the asbestos as possible. And, that is and insane. they soak the pulp through that in order for it to be uh, their, their way to control the burn on the paper, their slow burn for, for, for so what the like general chemically, public calls. chemically stopping it. Wow. Right. Right. Um, and then the, it just kept going. Like it just, it started as a snowball and I couldn't realize it, once I started peeling back the onion of what the rolling paper industry is, mm -hmm. I realized just how disgusting the paper had been that I'd been using for forever, mm -hmm. for over a de over decades. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, here I was starting rolling, a rolling paper company just after I had turned 40. And I'd started smoking when I was like 15, six, no, not 15, like 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the first thing that ran through my head was like, what the hell have I put in my lungs? Mm -hmm. Right. And I've spent the last number of years since university really smoking organic home grows, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. knowing also who my dealers were, if it wasn't me growing it. Sure. So I just realized I just spent all this time cultivating good relationships in order for me to have quality product for me to smoke. But I was wrapping it in basically newsprint. Right. Wow. And it just like that blew me away. And then, so I went on a search. I was like, all right, so who's saying they're actually organic? Who's saying they're actually pure, this natural material or that natural material? And I started mm -hmm. testing those papers and I started um, finding out, yes, there are some that are all natural, um, but for the most part, they're not. And mm -hmm. also for the most part, a lot of people saying they're one thing are actually a mix of something else. Um, and the reason why is because ingredients like hemp are very expensive. It's expensive to make an all natural pure hemp paper. Hemp's mm -hmm. an expensive, an expensive product to be buying. Mm -hmm. Soy on the other hand is really cheap. So if you want to make a cheaper hemp paper, blend it with soy so that it's like, you know, 60, 55% hemp. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's enough hemp for you to call it hemp. Right. Mm -hmm. And it ends up making a much cheaper paper, but also in order to do that, that, you know, then you're, and you got to wonder how is the hemp harvested? How is the soy harvested? Is there a mm -hmm. chemical it's process in the stripping yeah. and preparation of those products mm -hmm. before it gets to the pulp mill? Um, and let me tell you, this rabbit hole I went down ended up being monstrous like it blew my fucking mind <laughs> mm -hmm. it probably set you back further than it thought you were going to <laughs> yeah totally um it's it did actually physically set me back in time not just mentally and and and, and wondering how to start and where to go mm -hmm. so once i peeled back those onion those layers in the onion i did actually understand how to navigate within the industry mm -hmm. um and uh, my experience as a product developer allowed me also to navigate through global brokers with ease because that's something I had done previously, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So here I am developing a product for a company here in Canada, but we're sourcing corn-based plastics from 
uh, from the states. We're, 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 we're maybe we're sourcing soy-based plastics from somewhere th from Asia, or mm -hmm. we're taking hemp-based plastics from India because mm -hmm. those industries exist in those countries on a major level because those natural resources, the corn is so heavily grown in the States, hemp mm -hmm. is so heavily grown in India, soy is so heavily grown in Asia. And then that led me knowing my past experience with product development and dealing with global brokers allowed me to very with ease navigate in this industry, dealing with global brokers and understanding the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So in the end, what I ended up finding was a, he's trying to decide on where to manufacture the product, which country to manufacture it in, right? right. Um, and there's a lot of factors there, choosing clean water, because not all facilities have clean water going into them, because that's mm -hmm. where all your metals in the paper are coming from, is from the water. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the same time, where all the source material is coming from, is there high pesticide use in those areas where that material is coming from? Mm -hmm. So in the end, I chose a manufacturer in China because they were a one of the few that would let me change the full supply chain, develop my own recipe. And I also have spot inspections happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that was very important to me in order to develop a quality product that I could stand behind. If you go to some other countries, they don't let you in. They don't mm -hmm. let you see. They don't let you dictate how the paper is going to be made. And you can test the paper and say, take this out of it. They're like, no, that's our process. Yeah. Right. So, so have you been there yourself? To I have not been there myself. No. And the main reason why is simply cost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the beginning of this. And now, of course, globally, we can't travel. For sure. So it'll be a little while until we get there. We were planning, myself and at least one of my investors uh, coming with me and probably Patrick, who's an operation manager with me. Uh, we're planning on going this pat this coming fall, but with COVID, that's mm -hmm. obviously not in the deck for at yeah, least a I, year. <laughs> I had a school trip can't uh, can't just that that was just canceled. It was to the Gambia in Africa for November, but yeah, that's yeah. canceled. So that sucks. But you know what? I'd rather be safe. <laughs> I'd rather be safe. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I'd rather be safe. So. Uh, we'll get there eventually. I have done a, lot, a handful of video tours. I'm on the phone with them all the time. And then we flip to video chat as they walk through the facility with me. Cool. Like even recently with our comb manufacturing, we were having a slight issue. The percentage of damaged cones was getting a little bit high. So mm. I, you know, having to deal with a number of late nights where we're trying to problem solve on the production line. It's like, okay, right. so when we sped up this area of production, those machines there, maybe it's the machines that are cutting out the filters and rolling them. Are they moving too fast? Is, right. that's what, is that what is causing the rip and tear in production when we go to, when we're, when we're dealing with some of these LPs? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, going back and forth and figuring it out. So it's, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with how it looks and how it functions. Mm -hmm. It'll be weird to actually physically walk through the space for the first time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> in real surreal, life like, it'll, be, it'll be surreal yeah totally yeah. yeah it's crazy like as a consumer i don't even think of the steps that go into creating that yeah i most people don't think about any of the steps that go into the products that they use right but that's mm -hmm. i think in all honesty that's one of the things that i've always enjoyed in life was just wondering how something in particular is made or why it was designed a certain way and nine times out of 10, it's because I had a better way of designing it, or I had a 
thought of a better way of making it. And I wondered why they didn't think of this first. Yeah, yeah, totally. So even as a kid, it was like instinctual for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, moving forward now, developing products, it's just natural, of course, that this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sorry, I digressed there. Your second question was why the three papers? Mm-hmm. Um, that, in all honesty, stemmed from old friends and family growing up as a kid. Uh, I got my hand slapped one time for rolling a joint for an older gentleman who turned around to me and said, hey, 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 you roll this in too thick of a paper for what this weed is. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. What do you mean? And that's when it, I was taught that flat out, you have different types of paper for the different dankness level of your weed. You have a thicker paper to slow the burn down if your weed's really dry. You have a thinner paper to speed the burn up if your burn's rather wet. I mean, if your weed's rather wet. Right. And the main reason why is because you want that paper to either burn in front of the cherry, on the top of the cherry, meaning that the outside edge of that sphere of the cherry, Mm -hmm. right? Or just past that cusp. And uh, if it's past the cusp, it's pulling the cherry down through. But it's because the weed's too wet, you want to pull the cherry through. So you have a fast burning paper to pull the cherry. Right. If you have if you want to slow that burn down, you have a thicker paper where it'll pull, always be holding cherry up. It's the cherry that's trying to pull paper down. And that's when your cherry is tucked just in the top edge of that paper. Right. So when we making, when I turned around to make these papers, I wanted to make one that would be uh, slower burning, as slow burning as possible, but as thin as I possibly could get it. And mm-hmm. so that's our greens. So being hemp, being the natural, uh, and for me, it was the obvious answer to make this a slow burning paper. But <clears throat> and I say that because hemp, I knew hemp would be the naturally slower burning material, mm-hmm. right? And of course, lo- as we got through this, hemp is our slowest burning material. Um, wood, since our wood mixture that we're using for the papers is a soft wood. It naturally burns faster than a hardwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to enforce that, we make the hemp papers half a gram thicker per square meter. So rolling papers are measured by GSM square, uh, grams per square meter. And the hemp, the, the, our greens, the hemp paper is 13 grams per square meter, whereas the woods is 12 and a half grams per square meter. Okay. So cool to enforce that burn rate, making one paper a little bit thicker and another paper a little bit thinner, right? Right. And then, of course, that led, that helped me answer everyone's needs. But then I personally was a rice paper smoker. I wanted a rice paper because that's what I loved smoking. Mm -hmm. But then going back to my initial research in the industry, that peeling back those onions and discovering what everyone was made from, for the most part, most of the rice papers in the market aren't actually a rice paper. They're a soy paper coated in rice sugars. Okay. Or they're another type of paper that's cheap to make covered in rice sugars. There's very few of them on the market that are actually 100% rice paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them are a bleached process. All of them. Mm-hmm. And the main reason why is because you can't buy unbleached rice for non-food product you oh, interesting. Brown rice is dedicated for food product only. Bleached wow. rice can be sold for anything, for any means, for any development. I did not know that. 
No. So I learned that. I feel like that. nobody would know that. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that in the process of developing the, the papers. So when I learned that, I was like, well, I don't want to buy bleach rice. It defeats the purpose of having an all-natural paper. I've spent all this time mm-hmm. finding the right producer who's going to make this as all-natural as possible, who's going to let me develop my own recipes. Now I'm just going to buy bleached food product in order to make my paper. That makes no sense. So I right. had to find an alternative. And that took some research. Uh, but the at the end, a flaxseed paper makes a paper, flaxseed makes a paper that's very similar to rice in its texture and feel. Rice paper has a soft tooth to the paper, has a soft texture to it. And, and then also, generally speaking, it's very thin. Mm-hmm. And the main reason why is because what's holding that paper together is the rice sugars, right? And that one is the hippie, correct? Right, the hippie. So flaxseed um, makes paper that's very similar to it, very soft to the touch, has that tooth to the paper. But a problem with it was it made a paper that was too weak. I couldn't get it thin enough. So blending it with hemp, doing a 50-50 blend was important actually, because that way then I could get it down to 12 and a half grams per square meter. Mm-hmm. And blending with flaxseed allowed it still to have that soft tooth. Now, if I added more hemp, I lost that soft texture. Mm-hmm. And if I added more flaxseed and used less hemp, I lost the strength and dexterity in the rolling papers. It ended up being a 50-50 split was best. So how many prototypes do you think you had gone through before finding that perfect balance? Oh, boxes. I have no idea. <laughs> oh my God. That is, that's a lot of, that's a lot of smoking. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so much that we were smoking them. I'll be honest. We were yeah. taking them out and doing burn rates, mm-hmm. literally putting them on a paper clip, uh, a clothespin, standing them up and burning them and seeing how it burnt on its own, seeing if you had smell, wow. right? Seeing if there's smoke, seeing the color of the flame, all of that super important with your burling papers, because in all honesty, you want something that burns as clean as possible, right? Because it's mm-hmm. about smoking terps, not about smoking paper, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. I, I wanna. I love cheeses, like UK <laughs> cheese, Durban cheese. I love those weeds, um, and and those I was strains. Just, are, I was actually gonna ask you what your favorite strain was. <laughs> yeah, those those are some of my favorite strains, without a doubt. I love the cheeses, um, but. Part of the cheese, the joy of those cheeses is their funky smells, hence why they have those names, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you roll that in a newspaper, you're, you, what's the point? You're not tasting the weed anymore. Exactly, yeah. Right? So, yeah, it was, it's, it, for me, it, it really came down to developing something that was as thin as possible, as clean as possible. Um, and you can do this with any rolling paper that you buy just to see its purity. You just hold it up light it on the bottom you're holding it horizontal you light Mm -hmm. it on the bottom corner and what you want to see is first and foremost that there's a yellow flame with a little bit of orange on the bottom that means it's a hundred percent plant material okay right because if it was blue there's asbestos in the paper if there's green there's bleach in the paper if there's a rainbow there's an array of chemicals that are happening and and what you're seeing here, the bit of orange that you want to see is the heat from the plant material and yellow means it's just clean plant material burning off. Okay. Right. All these other chemicals are, I'm sorry, all these other colors are a chemical reaction, but Mm -hmm. it's happening and you're seeing it. Right. Um, The other thing that you want to make sure that you're having is no smoke. Uh, 
and no smell because again, those are results of a chemical reaction, mm -hmm. right? The other thing that you big thing that you don't that you want to see is that that there's no ash. Um, mm -hmm. A clean, pure rolling paper should literally burn, and the ash should literally incinerate to nothing. Mm -hmm. Because the paper's so thin, and if it's 100% plant material, there'd be nothing left. Now, if it leaves a whole bunch of ash behind, that's a clear sign of chalk being in the paper, and a clear sign of a lot of chalk mm -hmm. if it's leaving residue. Okay. Right? And you'll see this with lots of other papers. You can go to the convenience store or the gas station, let alone your local head shop, and pick an array of papers, and you'll see lots of different things. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely noticed it before. I just didn't really put two and two together. Yeah, that's why, like, even early on, I stopped smoking. Like, in university, I stopped smoking Juicy J's as a university kid because I was like, I don't like the taste of this paper. My friends are like, but the flavor's the whole point. I'm like, it's not the flavor. There's a taste itself in the paper. And mm -hmm. it was a chemical burn-off that I was tasting that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. That's and, like when you have to sometimes substitute a filter for a business card and there's, like, paint on it and stuff. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's the chemical burn-off. Yeah. Right? Um. And, and, you know, it, it, it's so a clean and all natural paper is actually harder to come by than most people realize. Mm -hmm. Like almost everything that's in your convenience store and gas station is a heavily produced paper with lots of chemicals and everything else in there. Mm -hmm. Head shops are where you're going to go and find at least a variety enough that you should find clean, pure papers, mm -hmm. right? Also dispensaries. Dispensaries tend to have a, a good enough array. Mm-hmm. Actually, the I funny, I didn't even start smoking until it was legal. And the very first time we bought weed at the SLC, we also bought Canadian lumber papers. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so just like looking towards the future, where do you see the company in 10 years? Um uh first and foremost, selling globally would be ideal. Yeah. Um I do would love for us also realistically to you know it would be expanding our full product line and to the point of not just rolling papers but other products that help and aid in a multitude of smoking situations that would be awesome and ideally i'd love to make as much of them as in canada as i could mm -hmm. i mean i wish we could make the rolling papers here but that's a whole ball of yarn that would I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. There's a whole industry <laughs> to be built. Do you know what I mean? From mm -hmm. growing the source material, because there's re lots of regs around growing hemp. Those would have to change. Everything would be um, so expensive. Yeah. To developing and retrofitting pulp mills, to uh, cleaning facility, uh, processing facility for the raw material to get to before it got to the pulp mill. Mm -hmm. right? And like at it, what point like, do you sacrifice the price point for your customers? There's, there is that, um, it, initially looking at it, like then it turns into how much will a pack of papers be by the time mm -hmm. you build a full industry and infrastructure for this, mm -hmm. how much does that pack of papers cost? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so speaking of expanding the line, what is your favorite alternative to smoking a joint? <laughs> no one actually ever asked me that question that's a good one um it, in all honesty it has to be a pipe I, i've never been I a bong guy me neither yeah you know in university there was always a bong in the house someone always owned one i would mm -hmm. use one every once in a while but 
you know, I was I I, I like a I like a long pipe where it mm. chills enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. I but to be honest, I don't smoke a lot of pipes. I yeah. do smoke a lot of joints. Yeah, we do too. I it's mean, with, preferred... with the hookup, we have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do consume a lot of edibles. Yeah. I do sure. eat a couple of edibles a day, especially towards the end of day. I love it. Do you make your own? Um, I, I, I have in the past, but lately I've been buying them from someone local who makes a beautiful, beautiful edible treats mm. and, and some beautiful CBD chocolates as well. It is great for my workouts. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had like a gourmet meal? No, I have not. I've been dying to do that. Yeah, me too. I, I watch a couple of like the, the cannabis cooking shows on Netflix and I just, I love them. They, they no, so one's been, no one's really doing that here in Halifax or Nova Scotia yet. Yeah. But I know that it is start, well, before COVID, it was starting to pop up in Toronto and oh. in Vancouver. So it'd be interesting to see, because basically in those situations where you're, what you're doing is you're, you're booking a private chef and... Mm-hmm in order to get around the laws, the chef is asking you to purchase a handful of things that in order for them to use to cook for you. Right. right. There's always a loophole. There's always a loophole. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like hiring a private chef normally is not that super expensive. It's a great idea for friends. It's a couple mm-hmm. hundred bucks for anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm assuming to hire a weed one might be a little bit more expensive, but mm-hmm. probably not that much more. Yeah. That, that would be really cool. Right. Wow. That, Get, you know, <laughs> four to four, you know, four to six friends together. Everyone yeah. pitches in a bit, you know, 20, 30 bucks and make sure you leave a decent tip with that. And, you know, yeah, totally. hire a chef for an evening and have a games night. I think that's an awesome way. <laughs> yeah. That, that would way, be incredible. See, because part of it is because, you know, I being a, more of a weed smoker and also since I, I, I quit drinking a number of years ago, it's more like now I've been trying to find social environments where, it's not just socially acceptable, but it's it's uh, it, it's almost common practice that everyone or the majority of people would be smoking, mm-hmm. and less people would be drinking. Um, just cause I just because I'd like to I I wanna I like that social ex- experience a bit more now. Mm-hmm. We kind of had that when when high life was still open. True. It'd be nice if there was like a new. Just like high life was an anomaly. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it'll be interesting to see see what what opens up after. If yeah, it'd be be interesting opportunity for like it's sad that there's businesses closing, obviously, but yeah, for new ones to come in, it should be interesting if any of any of them are cannabis related. I'm 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 interested to see, in all honesty, with the return of social businesses, Mm -hmm. so restaurants, bars that kind of thing, barbershops, even hair salons to see that um, if there is, that would be an opportunity for the cannabis industry to start petitioning the provincial governments, let alone federal or our federal government to change some of these regulations to allow for businesses involving cannabis. Mm -hmm. So, because I know that, um, Manitoba was already before all of this was looking at what that legislation would look like. So what does it look like to have uh, a cannabis infused bakery? What does it look like to have a a concert hall that is 
cannabis licensed and not alcohol licensed? What does it look like for one to be both? Right. Right. Because in all honesty, like, you know, where do you want to see Cypress Hill at a place that's cannabis licensed or a place that's alcohol licensed? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Where do you like, there's definitely music events you want to smoke weed at and not drink booze at. Yeah, for sure. Right. If you had to choose between the two. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel like a lot of people would totally choose smoking. I, I feel the same way. And, and, and that's generally from what surveys that have happened thus far, because I know that there's been a number of them in the industry from, you know, other companies, websites, even trade shows and that kind of thing have been doing involved questions like this in their surveys in order mm-hmm. to start pushing that boundary a little bit, both in a destigmatization area, but also to wrap general public's head around it being like, we do want to have this. So what will that look like? What do mm-hmm. we want it to look like? Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's the ultimate question. And in all honesty, I think Nova Scotia is one of the best areas in the country to a test this, to also be re- possibly reap the most award- rewards out of it. Considering the fact that we have so much cruise ship tourism coming up from the States, mm-hmm. considering the fact that um, the Nova Scotia as a whole has such a big beer culture to it to see and develop a big cannabis culture and then tourism and around that should be fairly easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, we can't tour uh, a grow facility like you can tour a winery, but I'm sure through the right new edits to these regulations, there could be some kind of presentation tour done right mm-hmm, for sure maybe you're not able to go through the whole facility but when you come to a grow facility they can take you to one setup room where they where that that setup room allows for a big window that you're able to walk through and see what the room looks like do you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah maybe like that like chocolate factories and like that kind totally. of totally exactly yeah. right like a cheese factory and chocolate factory and that kind of thing right mm-hmm. so it's set up like that right um, yeah, my, my friend actually works for the LC and she worked at the one um, right by the crew, the, right by the port there. Yeah. And she said that once a cruise ship came in, people would flood in and say like, can we buy weed here? And then yeah. she, they had maps prepared, like how to walk to the, to that one where you could actually buy it at. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. You see, cause just the, right there, the volume of, tourism that we have it'd be ideal mm-hmm. right like and and considering our population our landmass size everything else this is an opportunity for us in a in, in a province where we haven't had a lot of opportunities as of late you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i really honestly think that our province is kind of sleeping a little bit on this but yeah. every province is right now mm-hmm. because it is brand People new are afraid to make the first move exactly yeah and and that's why i'm i've never really been really loud and pushing it but as time goes on i'm gonna get louder (laughs) yeah and it's awesome because you're like a local company at the front lines of this like facing things as they come out so there's so much like there should be so much trust put in a company that isn't afraid to take steps like that i'd like to think so yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would really like to think so, Maya. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we're just about wrapping up here, but I have one last question. 
What is your favorite go-to munchie snack or place to order food from when you're high? <laughs> I love it. Because um, <laughs> everyone's eating the quarantine <laughs> snacks right now. <laughs> I have a sugar problem, and I've Me been too. trying very hard before quarantine to uh, – I even did a full month of no sugar wow. in order to try and change my habits. So this question is very loaded for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I would love for it to be and what I would realistically allow maybe myself to dive into right now <laughs> are mm. probably two different things. Right. Um, but Reese's Pieces, without a doubt, are like with my go-to sugar thing. Like Yum. I peanut had, butter and chocolate I last night. <laughs> like, oh my God, give me a big box of those, please. Okay, have you had the peanut butter cups from, if they're like the PC brand from the superstore? Yes. They are incredible. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah, underrated like, for sure. <laughs> totally underrated. Way better quality of chocolate, way better quality of peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's People like are sleeping on that snack. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. And they're half the price. Yeah. And you get totally. so many. <laughs> and yeah, it is. You get way more. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. You still eat the whole bag in one sitting. Oh, but... <laughs> in one sitting. Yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> so dangerous. Yeah, peanut butter and chocolate. Reese's Pieces in particular, but peanut butter and chocolate, without a doubt, my go-to. That's solid. When when you can't get it, do you like do the Nutella and peanut butter spoonfuls? Oh, uh, <laughs> Nutella, peanut butter, peanut butter, maple syrup, and then like I've taken chocolate bars and just made a sandwich that way oh my god that's awesome <laughs> yeah oh. i've even just taken toast and put peanut butter maple syrup and then don't ask me why maple syrup fits in it just fits in every everywhere and anywhere when i'm oh, making a snack totally <laughs> um and then like taken just taken uh baking chocolate and shaved it on top of that toast <laughs> oh that sounds so good <laughs> in order to have uh, peanut butter and chocolate yeah well, I think I might know what I'm going to have for a snack after we're finished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm the snack master. I got that. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to have an episode with just, just recipes. If oh, that sounds eat. amazing. Let's do that. I love <laughs> okay, that. Idea. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for giving your time for this. No, it's um, awesome. Thank you. I didn't really think of an outro for this, but yeah, thanks for coming and we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Awesome. Have thank you night. so much. Bye. Bye.